Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Growth League. I am Diana Kander, a Midwestern mom of two and keynote speaker. And like you, I feel the call to grow. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday, I seek out the most remarkable, curious women leaders and uncover their rule for growth. This week's rule from Whitney Johnson is discomfort is a sign of growth. This episode is brought to you by Influence & Co. To find out how Influence & Co. can help you create relevant content, get more leads, improve your website's SEO, and drive exposure for your brand, go to influenceandco.com slash growth. My guest today is Whitney Johnson. Whitney is the CEO of Disruption Advisors. She's one of the top 10 management thinkers, according to Thinkers 50, And in addition to being a frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review, Whitney is the best-selling author of the book, Smart Growth, How to Grow Your People to Grow Your Company. And she's also the host of the popular podcast, Disrupt Yourself. In her free time, Whitney and her husband like to grow strawberries and blackberries at their home in Virginia. And a fun fact about Whitney is that when she was in college, she was a music major and an active member in a jazz band. Please welcome Whitney Johnson. Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you, Diana. Happy to be here. How did you go from majoring in music to being a banker and a expert in disruption? I disrupted myself, Diana. (laughs) All right. More to the story than that. Yes, I did study music in college. And after graduating, I had gotten married in college, which is, I know, also unusual. My husband and I had moved to New York and he was getting his PhD and we needed a food person, a breadwinner (laughs) in the family. And so I was kind of done with music and we also needed to make money. And so I started working as a secretary to a stockbroker on Wall Street. And I thought, I want to do this. I, this is the era of liar's poker and bonfire of the vanities and working girl and So I start taking business courses at night, accounting, finance, economics. I have a boss who believes in me and I'm able to become an investment banker. And I would not have known to call it this then, but that was the beginning of me disrupting myself of believing that I could do something different than music. I didn't have a lot of confidence and I didn't know any of that was possible. But when that happened, taking those courses, having that boss say, yeah, I think you can do this, set me on this path of personal disruption, and eventually became an equity research analyst, left Wall Street, co-founded a fund with Clayton Christensen, discovered this idea of disruptive innovation. We were applying it to products and services and investments, but I thought this actually applies to people. And so I wrote a book called Disrupt Yourself, and that now has me where I am today, where I think about personal disruption, I think about growth, I think about possibility, and our company helps people achieve that. You talk about disrupting yourself as this positive force, leveling up, going to something else. And 
it's very scary. It almost as somebody who has changed careers completely, you know, several times over, it could feel at the very beginning of that journey, like you're, you're losing something, you're giving up on something. So for people who are considering making a big switch, any advice that you'd give them or any fears that you faced in that first big jump? I would say early on, when I was first working as a secretary, I remember a couple of things happened. So there was a lot of social pressure for me of this is what women do. They are assistants. They are secretaries. And I remember having this very distinct experience of going to work every single day. And there were some young stockbrokers, all of them were male, and they would say things to open up accounts. So this is when they were still dialing to open up accounts, things like throw down your pom poms and get in the game. And at first, I'm really offended by that because I was a cheerleader in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hearing this over and over and over again, every single day. And it somehow sinks into my psyche. Whitney, you need to throw down your pom-poms. You need to get in the game. And so that was the beginning of this shift for me. I also remember having this experience of why would I make X when 10X is possible? But I also know that it was very difficult for me to do it because this isn't what people do. I mean, if, if you've been in financial services, you know, even today, people don't very often move from being an admin to on the professional track. And so I had to deal with my own mindset of believing, is this something that I can do? Is this even a possibility for me? And when you were in banking, was it one step up after another? Or were there some steps back or down that you had to face? No, absolutely not. So one of the things that happened for me is I've now been in banking for four years. Again, I had that boss who gave me that opportunity. One or two bosses later, my boss gets fired and they probably would have fired me too, except that I had strong performance reviews and I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and pregnancy sometimes lends to job security. So they say to themselves, hmm, what are we going to do with her? You've got to find something else to do. And I interviewed for a lot of different opportunities inside of banking. No one really wanted me. I remember practically begging the M&A people, I will work so hard, I can do this. And they're just like, uh, no, I don't think so. They basically thought I wasn't going to come back to work. So finally, they moved me, but they Actually, what they really did is they shoved me into equity research. My ego takes a huge hit, but here's the boon in all of that. It turns out that this was a career maker. I was a much better stock picker than I was a banker. This step back, this pushback, this shove back turned out to be a career maker. And were you always such a great coach and advocate for yourself? Or did you replace the voice of somebody else, maybe a parent or, or somebody else early on that instilled that in you? So the answer is no. I'm an oldest child. I think that oftentimes what happens with oldest children, and I know because I think I've done it to our oldest child, is that we as parents um, project onto our children all of our hopes and dreams and aspirations. And oftentimes, at least for me, I think often this, the experience I had was it was never quite good enough. 
So I think there are two things here. One is that my coaching came out of my being the encouraging voice that I wanted to hear. Number one. And number two, I married someone who is very encouraging and has always been very supportive of me of if you want to do this, if you think you can do this, of course you can, and I will support you. And that's a gift that I have been given that I am quite certain that I very much undervalue and underappreciate. So you're an expert in personal and professional growth. And I kind of wanted to use our time together to solve a, a personal dilemma or to get the lessons that you teach out through helping myself in something that I'm stuck in. Yeah, let's do it. So I, you know, teach curiosity and innovation. And in order to keep my own skills fresh, I try to push myself out of my comfort zone each year by taking on a big physical feat. And uh, it's been a number of years now from trying to hold a 10 minute plank to doing a handstand to doing a lot of pull ups last year. And this year, I decided for the first time in my whole life, I would do the splits. And I set that goal, you know, now a couple of months ago, and I have done absolutely nothing, Whitney, like nothing. And I have a lot of excuses, you know, I have two little kids, and I can't figure out where to fit it in my in my day. But I was hoping we could just chat through that. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of background. So when you think about whenever you start something new, you're on what I call an S curve of learning. And so what that S curve does is it models personal growth. It's this mental model to trace the emotional arc of growth. And so when you start, you're at the launch point. And what's going on at the launch point is that you, and as I'm talking through this, I want you to think about doing the splits and sort of where this fits in. So you're at the launch point and your brain is running these predictive models and many of the predictions it's making are incorrect. And so your dopamine drops. You're also mapping this new territory. So it's cognitively kind of taxing in this case, probably physically taxing, trying to figure out how to do the splits. And there's an identity question of like, who am I if I'm not this person doing a 10 minute plank? Then there's a sweet spot where your predictions get increasingly accurate. You get lots and lots of dopamine, this emotional upside surprise, your identity is starting to shift, you're less unknown. So it feels more comfortable. It feels very exhilarating. So at the launch point, growth is happening, but it feels slow in the sweet spot. It's exhilarating. Growth is fast. It feels fast and a mastery. You've figured it out and you're no longer getting dopamine. So growth slows down. So when I'm thinking of starting something new, uh, whether it's you know, going for a new position, learning a new skill, just trying something that makes me uncomfortable. You're saying these feelings that I'm having, like, should I even be doing this? Is this stupid? Should I just pick something easier? These are totally normal feelings. That is correct. Okay. So at the launch point, and this goes to the question that you just asked of, should I, should I pick something different? Is that there are two, in our framework, there are two parts, there's the explorer piece, and then there's the collector piece. And so the explorer piece is where you ask yourself a series of questions. In this case, do I want to be on the S curve of doing the splits? You say, is this something I believe I can do? It sounds like the answer is yes. Is this something that I feel like is in line with my identity? Do I feel like it's in line with my values? Is it new enough? 
um, that it's it gives me dopamine, but familiar enough that it's not overwhelming? And is the reward worth the cost? And so some of those questions I would ask you is, did you go through that battery of questions? So maybe you're not making progress because you don't actually want to do the splits. So that would be my first thing I would ask you. Is it is it what you wanted to do? I feel like being more flexible is is very important at my age. And so I try to pick something that's going to offer lots and lots of benefits that spiral out of it, you know, and it doesn't take that long to work on it. Uh, seems like it's just like right up my alley, you know, in theory. And I don't know, I have some kind of a mental block. Uh, maybe I'm afraid, you know, of, of failing and committing to this thing publicly and then not being able that now that I have a number of these physical feats that I've done. It feels more challenge, like it feels scarier to fail. Is that is that a thing? Yeah, because your identity is locked into it, right? Ugh. Yeah. So one of the, that's <laughs> that's interesting. So if you think about it, on the one hand, it's a new curve of of doing the splits. On the other hand, you've got now some identity, some ego wrapped up in Diana does new physical feats every year. And so like a child, you'll say, I'm going to try this new thing and I'll see if I like it and if this is enjoyable. And sometimes children are impulsive, but there's also this sense of curiosity and wonder of, I think I want to try the splits or maybe I want to do yoga or maybe I want to do a cartwheel or maybe I want to do something and I'll, I'll figure out what I want to do. So one of the things that I would say to you is if you've decided that is the splits are actually what you want to do. And I can't tell for sure if they are. So I'm going to press you because you said you want to, to be coached. Do you in fact want to do the splits? Or are you willing to say, you know, I really don't. I want to pick a new goal. And that in and of itself, when you talk about with your around creativity and innovation, I would say to you, hey, if you're an innovation coach, there's going to be all sorts of things that you're going to start and then you're going to stop. So is this one of those years where you say, you know what, I started down this, this isn't the project I want to do. So that is why I'm pressing you. It's time for a break. I know this is technically an ad break, but our partners at Calm want you to focus on yourself for just a moment. Take a deep breath and let it out. Relax wherever you're holding your tension. It's important to tune in and recenter and Calm can help. The Growth League is partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools that improve the way that you feel. You can reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improved focus with curated music tracks, and rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories for children and adults. There's even a new daily movement session designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. If you go to calm.com growth, you'll get a special offer for 40% off a Calm premium subscription and new content is added every week. There's even masterminds from some of the greatest teachers in the country on all kinds of topics like creativity and writing that I've really been getting into. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. Calm is ready to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer for 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash growth. Go to calmcalm.com slash growth for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. 
That's calm.com slash growth. Well, for people like me that are considering starting something new, do you have like a top three list of things that we could do to minimize the pain and the difficulty of the launch point? So here are three things that I would say for you. Number one, when you're at the launch point, um, and you, you actually said this earlier, Diana, so I want to just underscore it. Understand what's going on in your brain. Understand that it's going to, even though you're thrilled that you were here, it is going to be terrifying. It is going to feel like a slog. You're going to have these moments of why did I decide to do this? And the reason that's important is that that allows you to say, this doesn't mean I won't be competent at this. It doesn't mean that I'm not even meant to do this. It just means I'm at the launch point and this is normal, this experience that I am having. So situation normal, uncomfortable, awkward, gangly, that is the launch point. And oh, by the way, the older that we get, the more we can insulate ourselves from ever doing anything new. So we start to get bad at it. So put yourself back into practice. The second thing I would say from a launch point perspective is to set ridiculously small goals. So for example, with the splits, we're like, okay, you might be thinking, I'm going to spend 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day limbering up so that I can do the splits. I would say it's too much. What's super simple of, okay, so this week, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to open up a video and watch a person doing the splits for 30 seconds every day for a week. That is all I'm going to do. So that we prime our brain, number one, and we're giving ourselves a visual reminder and we're setting such a small goal. We're like, I can do that. And then you start getting that dopamine. You get the upside surprise. It starts to give you momentum so that you can eventually move off the launch point of the curve. And then the third thing that you do is that you want to Say what you're going to do to someone by when. So in this case, you've said, I'm going to do the splits this year, but I would break it down even further of saying, for example, if you wanted to right now on this podcast, make a commitment of something you're going to do that's small, ridiculously small every day for the next seven days and then report back. So like on your next podcast, you report back. So those are the three things. Know that it's going to be uncomfortable, set small, ridiculously small goals, and then say what you're going to do to someone by when, because the odds of you actually doing it when you do that go up from about 10% of, I think I'm going to do this thing to 95%. Whitney, for somebody who teaches this stuff and talks about it all the time, like even at this point, are, are you at the bottom of any S curves? Are you struggling through anything? Yes, absolutely. I am struggling with figuring out how to scale our business. So yes, I, I'm probably in the sweet spot of speaking and I'm probably in the sweet spot of writing books. But how do you take your own business and use the S curve and optimize for growth and make sure you're growing people and sticking to your mission and communicating your ideas, all those things, scaling your own business, eating your own cooking. I'm definitely at the launch point of doing that. Well, this is that place where you feel like an imposter, like who do I think I am? Or 
I can't do this. When you have those feelings, that's where you want to really consciously say, and this is why this S curve is so helpful is when you have those feelings, you can go, okay, don't go spinning out of control. This isn't a referendum on your sense of value or worth Just say, oh yeah, launch point. And I, I use it all the time to talk myself down and it really, really helps. You know, I heard you say that imposter line before, and it's been such a gift to me because previously, every time in my speaking and consulting practice, whenever I would start doing new, really big, exciting work in my head, I would always be like, first, I'd be like, oh, I need an MBA. <laughs> then <laughs> then I got hired as a, as a professor in an MBA program. And then as my work kept getting bigger and bigger, I was like, oh my God, I need a PhD to be talking about this neuroscience stuff. And finally, when I heard that quote from you, I was like, okay, every time I feel like I need a degree, <laughs> it means I am like starting something new and exciting. So I just want to thank you for that because you've saved me a lot of money in advanced degrees. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> okay, Whitney, I'd love to do a speed round of questions. What is a micro professional skill that you are just outstanding at? So whether it's writing a cold email or a good handshake, just something micro. When I meet a new person, I am really good at being able to have a conversation, a real conversation with them and finding a way to connect with that person. How do you do that? There's something inside of me that says, I want to see you and I want to know the essence of who you are. And I am deeply interested in understanding you. And so I think that because I feel that way, people pick up on that. And so we're able to have a meaningful conversation where we, we can actually feel that connection to each other, that, that human to human connection for even that brief few minutes that we speak. Okay, what is the biggest oops of your career? A time when you messed up, you fell down, whatever it might be, and what did you take from that? Probably five or six years ago, it wasn't that long ago at most, I had delivered a speech and it was actually to a group of people in financial services, so my people. And afterward, my agent said, so how do you think it went? You don't ever want someone to ask that you question, that question. How do you think it went? I was like, oh, not, it was okay. And she said, basically started reading to me all the comments. Oh no. And um, basically I was the lowest rated speaker of all the speakers. Oh my God. They, they literally didn't like it. They hated it. I was mortified, but here's why it was so valuable. The comments were so bad that I had to pay attention to them. And what was interesting is that prior to that, the, the content that I delivered that day wasn't actually any different than the content that I had given, you know, a month ago or two weeks ago. And then I remember coming across the work of Donald Miller, who wrote a book called Story Brand. And he talked about how when you're writing a book or delivering a speech, that your audience has to be the hero and you're the guide. And I realized that in that speech, in that moment, I was the hero. And if I was the hero and I was talking to people in financial services, then who was my audience? 
And so the reason that was important is that was that that wake up call to me of, okay, Whitney, you just got all this information. And it was so bad, you can either reject it out of hand and say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about, or, oh, I better do something about that. And so that got me to take this even more seriously of, I am going to become a better speaker. I want to be able to, when I deliver this material that I think is so important that people will feel inspired by it. Whitney, what is something that you strongly believed in your 20s that you feel completely indifferent about now or even opposite about now? Oh, you're asking me to reveal myself. (laughs) So I remember when I was in my 20s, I did not want to have children right away. And, And I felt a lot of social pressure to have children right away. And I felt it was really important that I got to make that decision to do it when I wanted to do it. At the same time, I was very critical of women who chose to have children right away. (laughs) Maybe it's a defense mechanism. I think it was absolutely a defense mechanism. It was me trying to bolster up my sense of around the decisions that I was making. And so what I would say now that I believe very differently is that if I really believe in feminism which I do, is that we get to choose what we want to do. We get to choose if we're going to have, we're going to get married. We're going to choose if we're going to have children. We get to choose if we don't have children. We get to choose what we do for our career, what we don't do for our career. And that it is really important for me to trust myself, to expect that others will trust me, but that I need to give every single woman, every single person that I meet the same respect and honor and trust that they are making the right decisions for them. And so that's something that I learned and feel differently about. Um, I'm much, much kinder and much less judgmental than I was when I was in my 20s. And that means I'm growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Whitney, based on the S curve and your model for growth, what do you think is a good rule for our listeners to take with them? At the launch point, if you feel thrilled and terrified and awkward and uncomfortable situation, normal. (laughs) You're doing it right. If you're scared and lonely, you're on the right path. Perfect. It's wonderful. Whitney, thank you so much for, for being so candid and forthcoming. Thanks for having me, Diana. Whitney Johnson is brilliant and so interesting and so very helpful. And to help us get even more out of this episode, I'm joined today by one of the producers of the show, Taylor Williamson. Taylor, what were you thinking about when you were listening to Whitney today? Yes. Well, what she was saying definitely resonated deeply with me because I have found myself at the bottom of an S curve with my recent promotion from production assistant to junior producer. And it was almost an immediate shift of feeling comfort and confidence in everything that I was doing and uh, all the work that I was producing. And then I got this promotion and all of that went away. And I, <laughs> I felt like a newborn almost. <laughs> I, I just, I had to recalibrate my expectations for myself, my, my time management skills, the deadlines I set for myself. So much so to the point where it almost felt like, am I doing this right? And hearing her say, this is all normal, this is all part of the process, was very comforting. 
you know, one of the things that I loved about the conversation with Whitney was that she was asking me these like higher level questions than what I was asking myself about my splits. Were there any new questions or statements that you came away with from that conversation that you have found to be helpful for you? Yes. And that is how can I set smaller goals? I have big goals. I know the big goals that I want to achieve, but breaking them down is a practice that I don't have much experience in and getching them really to the micro level. I mean, she was saying for you, you should watch, watch a video videos. of someone <laughs> doing this list. I would never think to go that small, but I do think that it was incredibly helpful and is a practice I must get into. Powerful insight. And I would just remind all of our listeners that I'm going to be putting a sticky note on my computer that says, if you're scared and lonely, you're on the right path, because that is a message that all of us need to hear over and over again as we set ambitious growth goals for ourselves. Thank you again to Influence & Co. for sponsoring this show. If you're looking for resources to build a results-driven content marketing strategy, I highly recommend checking out Influence & Co.'s content marketing course. With promo code GROWTH, our listeners can get access to the course for 50% off. Visit influenceandco.com slash growth to learn more. That's it for this week's episode of The Growth League. Please make sure that you're subscribed to get all the future episodes and leave us a review on how you're liking the show. And remember, The Growth League is more than a podcast. We have an entire community on Facebook called The Growth League, where you can take part in growth challenges, discuss the show, and meet other amazing like-minded individuals. I am Diana Kander, wishing you an amazing growth-filled week. The Growth League is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbanile, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rudder.